Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Wait. All right. Do the thing. What? Three, two, one, boom. Boom. And we're live. And we're live. This is a Keep Hammering Collective with Truett, Connor, Hain is it Connor or Jonathan? <laughs> no, it's Connor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Tanner, Jonathan, Truett, Connor. Gotcha. Yeah. I always get you guys mixed up. We know. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. Let's make this interesting. Um, <laughs> that's an inside joke, but yeah, mm. I know. I've never done a podcast before, so you should feel pretty lucky i feel honored what's uh so what's your deepest darkest secret let's just start the podcast off with that that's that's a really good one if anybody knew about you'd be banned from society yeah no that's good and i'm glad you asked it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think probably what it is is i've actually uh i've never revealed how strong i actually am Mm -hmm. like in in a all events like running, um, lifting and whatnot, just cause I just don't want to reveal all my cards show off. Yeah. I don't want to show off. Mm. So that's why. Smart. Yeah. No, I mean, if people knew that, then geez. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. Smart. Thank you. Very smart. You got to be humble. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm really good at being mm-hmm. is humble. I'm probably the most humble person you've ever met. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh man. First of all, I never thought I'd have a podcast. And then I never thought there'd be any reason to talk to one of my kids on it if I did have one. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, truthfully, I I wanted to have you and Tanner on at the same time. He made some excuse. He's like likes to hide in the shadows. Laryngitis. Right. Exactly. So it'd be best to have you and he, he and I and me and you. Yeah. And him. It's all right. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off with you <clears throat> and man, been busy lately. So <clears throat> it wasn't yesterday, day before you killed a buck. Yep. Prior to that, you set the world record in pull-ups. Most pull-ups in 24 hours. Prior to that, you failed. Yep. Failed back in April, six months ago. And that's what makes a compelling story. <clears throat> the that's- struggle. The yeah. Story, the uh, the experience, the self doubt. So a lot of that. Let's talk about the hunt. How'd the hunt go? <laughs> uh, hunt was good. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of action on the first day. Um, saw quite a few bucks, and then I uh, just kind of get a shot off on any of them. And then, like I said in my Instagram post, but uh. You told us right before we headed down the ridge when I did kill my buck that we were going to see a buck. Then like not five minutes later, uh, we saw a buck. He spotted him and then um, got set up on a tree stump, uh, 230 yards. He closed in 30 yards and at 200, it was just right on him, uh, quartered a little and then was able to make a good shot on the old uh, Sig Cross. Yeah, that was a nice gun. Kevin Akers let us borrow. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Kevin. Shout out. Yeah. And then, um, and then as we all well know, it's a, it's an inside family secret. 
which we have video of, but we're not going to release to the public. Um, <laughs> but was packing it out as we do. And for some reason, my dad likes to do it uh, full. So like after you gut it, put it on your back, tire deer, and then you, uh, you head up the ridge to the truck. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty dang steep and wet in Oregon. And, uh, I made it, would you say halfway? Would you give me that? Sure. Okay. Halfway <laughs> made it up halfway. And then, um, you know, th this is my fault, but I was in vans. Uh, they're like, uh, they're like trail shoes kind of not the best grip, definitely not crispy boots. And, um, uh, is this excuses? No. Or what is this? No, this, okay. this is facts. <laughs> Mud water is something I've been using daily since I started the podcast. It's supposed to be an alternative to coffee, but I actually add it to mine for some extra health benefits. It's got four functional mushrooms and with only a little caffeine and each ingredient was added for a purpose. Cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate like flavor. Lion's mane for focus, cordyceps to promote natural energy. It's also Whole30 approved, 100% USDA certified, organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher. Mudwater donates monthly to support psychedelic research and has since day one. They believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and that psychedelic-assisted therapy is one of the most effective tools we have to treat mental health conditions. Today, you get $20 off when you subscribe at mudwater.com slash cam. You also get a free frother and a sample of their delicious coconut creamer. So go to mudwater.com slash cam to get $20 off your subscription and your free frother. That's mudwater.com slash cam. And then got to a part where the, the ground was pretty loose and I, you know, you got the weight on you. So take a step, slip, fall down with it get back up, put it on, take a couple steps, slip all the way back down to where you were. And every step, you know, it counts. It's like a rep. It's lunging basically. Yeah. And, and with a hundred and some pounds on the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. One false move and, and it's, uh, you're going down, but I had finally had enough. I, <laughs> I fell down and it went, it went over my head on the ground. And then, um, I proceeded to slip down. I don't even know, like five feet. And then, have you seen the movie Cliffhanger uh, with Sylvester Stallone? No, he's hanging on ice cliffs. Like by, that's what it <laughs> reminded me of. Yeah, I know. I had the death grip into the mud, mm -hmm. um, trying to hang on because I just kept slipping down, and I couldn't believe I could not believe how frustrating that was. Mm -hmm. But I had a breaking point. Grabbed my hat, threw it on the ground, screamed a uh, expletive, and then. Um, I, I want to say screamed. I, I yelled. <laughs> screamed is a little bit dramatic. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was similar to uh, like a like a, a thriller, horror thriller scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by a female lead. Yeah. But no, and then even when I was getting angry and upset, throwing my hat and whatnot, I kept slipping down. And then kept slipping, kept slipping, finally grabbed a log, threw it, slipped after that. And, uh, yeah, so what we kind of talked about on the way back was how I can be what I would be considered pretty tough on that 8,100, um, 
overcame a lot, obviously. That's a reference to the 8,100 pull-ups in under 24 hours. 8,100 pull-ups in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That was just October 14th, so like two weeks ago from Mm -hmm. that day. And how you're tough on that day, but it doesn't mean you're going to be tough on another day, which I wasn't for some reason. You can't rest on your laurels for the rest of your life now? No, Hmm. no, and that's, I mean... Yeah, that's one thing that you don't even think about. You're just like, okay, yeah, I accomplished this, so I can accomplish um, basically anything that's in my way. But uh, things are just different, and you don't know what's gonna like cause you to stumble. Mm-hmm. And you just you need to get that edge every single day. There's like that corny saying, something about like rent is due every day, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But uh, dues paid or something like yeah. that. Rents due every day. Yeah, yeah. I think The Rock made that up. <laughs> You're like the rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it was, that is a challenge carrying a, a buck over your shoulders out, but there's something rewarding about it. I think you, you know, it's an animal you've killed. You made a perfect shot. Um, you know, deer died quickly is a nice three by three buck, good black tail. Um, you only had a couple days to hunt essentially, you know, you got a full-time job coming back and forth, traveling from Utah. So we got it done. Um, but perfect shot. I was, I was impressed. You were composed. I'm glad the buck gave us a little time to get set up and get that rest. I was a little worried because you had a good rest. Uh, there's a bipod on it. Kevin has this gun set up really well, but then the back of the stock was free. So that was, you had that in your shoulder, but it's always best to have even a rest for that or for your elbow. And you were kind of, I was watching you, you were, you know, good on the front of the rifle, kind of had to hold it on your own on the back. And I was like, well, some people can screw that up, but you did a great job. Loophole Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. I mean, made an absolutely perfect shot, went through the top of the heart and uh, blew out the lungs also. So the deer, he was down in seconds and that's what, what, you know, that's always the goal, a quick, merciful kill. Yep. And there's just something to the rewarding about uh, getting a clean kill, getting uh, the animal cleaned out, gutted, um, keeping that meat just pristine and and no dirt on it, no hair on it, and then packing it up, up to the truck. That's one reason why I like to do that is because you leave the hide on, the, the meat's protected. Whereas if you skin it and quarter it down there, it's uh, you're opening the meat up to getting debris and dirt and different things on it. But yeah, hundred yeah, percent clean. Packed it up, you know, ninety pounds hanging at the at the um, meat <clears throat> processor. That's Gates Family Tradition Meats in Cottage Grove. They do a great job. Shout out Tanner. Shout out Tanner Gates. Yeah, he's been man. He's been pumping out the the deer there. I mean, I think he, God, they had seventy some hanging. Is that right? They had 77 on one day, did 33, and then the next day they were up to 79 again. And then so he had to, had 80 deer that he had to go through. I know. And and I didn't realize they even gut them for some people. Like I think he had yeah. 18 come in that he had to gut for the hunter 
Which I didn't realize that was a thing. Which I didn't realize. Like, how would you even get an entire deer to, <laughs> to them? Yeah, I mean, they must be killing it by a road or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he brought in, he charged, what did he say he charged? 50 bucks or 75 bucks to gut? Or uh, 100 and some? 75 to gut and then to skin is 50. So right. it's like 125. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's not even cutting up the meat. No. Then you got the whole cutting up the meat part. But yeah, those guys working their butts off during rifle season in Oregon. A lot of blacktail hunters. Um, but yeah, they always take really good care of us. We, we take it in there. We don't, we're not expecting anybody to gut it or skin it for us. No. Um, but they're professionals at processing. And um, I like keeping money local, uh, keeping, uh, they just do a great job with the pepperoni and the hamburger and all everything they offer for wild game, the bear that they do, the pepperoni sticks out of bear, some of my favorite, but anyway, so we've got that done, but yeah, the hunt couldn't have went really any better. Had a great time. Me, you, Tanner, K.A., Ron, and Bubba. Yeah. The dream team. (laughs) Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So what do you, I mean, hunting has been kind of off and on for you. I mean, I got you guys exposed to it pretty young. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get you familiar with the process of hunting, what is entailed. And then you guys are both pretty busy. You know, we hunted when we could, but, you know, with school and everything else. So what does hunting mean to you? What is it? Is it a, is it, yeah, I mean, is it something that you just want to do or do you feel like a desire, like a, a urge to do it more <laughs> or is it just you like getting out there and, and having meat for the freezer? What is hunting to you? Yeah. I mean, I definitely like having a full freezer, not having to go to the store and, and, uh, just buy beef from, from the store. It's there's like, there's pride obviously when you're able to kill it yourself and then bring it home. Um, but no, I mean, like growing up, we would go out every single year, um, not by choice by us. Because I mean, what I always tell people is when we were kids, we'd go out hunting with you, didn't have a choice. And then um, it would be like the hardest thing we did all year. So I mean, like when you're always doing something that's that's really hard every time. And I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you can be pretty intense. Me? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least while hunting. Mm. Um and then so for me, I just kind of, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I was just like, yeah, honestly, it's pretty hard. Get yelled at. I don't think I want to do it. So the last hunt that we did for like a long time was blacktail at that place that we just killed this last year. I think I was 13 mm-hmm. back in 2010. Then I didn't hunt again until I was, I think like 2018. So that's five years ago. So 21. So I took like an eight year break mm. from hunting mm-hmm. and it wasn't even that I was busy. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't want to do it. And then, um, we actually, when I got reintroduced to it in 2018, killed a blacktail. And then I was just like, honestly, like that, that felt really good to do. And then, so I just kind of, I got that fire back a little. Um, and then from there, yeah, we've been going just about every year since then. Went to Texas. Yeah, I went to Texas um, and then uh, Utah elk hunt that mm-hmm. we do every year. 
which I, I don't hunt, but I just go with you. So it's nice to get out. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I just love getting out at this point and, and being able to just see anything is exciting. Mm-hmm. Like when you see something and you actually have a chance at killing it, it's like, whoa. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We did some hard hunts when you guys were young. So that was, I understand that that would have been like most kids hard is not really what draws them to hunting or to doing anything. Right. Kids like to have a good time. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we did some hard ones. We did a, a bear hunt, a bear hunt in Hell's Canyon, which was hard. Uh, Tanner did an elk hunt in the same country, which is hard. We went to Alaska, which out with Roy hunting black bear. Those were very challenging, long trips, no sleep. Um, Africa was hard because long plane rides over yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I had I had you. Um, after you killed, I had you, we went out hunting. I said, you need to help the guys in the skin and shed. So all the pHs over there and the trackers, you help them. How was that? I was a liability (laughs) for sure. How old were you then? 13. 13. Yeah. So I was 13 and, um, that would have been May of 2010. Then my last hunt that I did for a lot, uh, a while was October, 2010. Hmm. When I killed my first blacktail, mm-hmm. my first and biggest. Um, yeah, but, that was a nice buck. Yeah. Yeah. So how was uh, working with the, in the skinny shed? How long were you out there? <laughs> Honestly, it, I'm pretty sure like I couldn't really understand what he was saying. And maybe I just like held the leg and whatnot out of the way for him. I, I definitely didn't use the knife. <laughs> I was just like, you don't speak Swahili. No, no, um, actually I don't. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I pretty much just stood there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I did have you got them, got the animals, right? Yeah. The, the Impala anyway. The Impala. And then, um, I got some, we hit the guts so it was coming out a little. We did. <laughs> well, I guess I did. Yeah. And then uh, you and Anton, our guide, were like, oh, um, it's tradition that you eat the guts, mm-hmm. at least a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was, you know, 13. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know any better. And then uh, got some on my finger and was I was <laughs> going for it. I was like, shoot, I guess this is what they do. I want to be respectful of traditions. <laughs> And then uh, at the last second, it was like, ah, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I had already eaten all the guts. So it was too late. So that was probably, that probably caused you to not want to hunt. That was traumatic. I bet. I have a lot of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> You've been sorting through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Well, so you said you weren't excited because I was pretty too intense. Couldn't you just said, Hey dad, I just, I'm going to don't feel like hunting. No, I, I might have said that, honestly. Did you? I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, you didn't force me to hunt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. think, yeah, you could just maybe tell that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do remember you got, then you got into track and cross country and, yeah, you know, you were a good runner. So I wanted you to. That's true. I mean, yeah, because then I was 14 freshman year and, and cross country is uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it was probably something like that. And yeah. then I, I cared more about uh, being jacked than anything. Yeah. Like even more so than running. I was talented as a runner. Uh, my coach, Chase Wells, 
said that like I'd be winning the district meet by the time I was a senior, but literally couldn't care less about that. All I wanted to be was jacked. And you guys, you were faster as a freshman. Were you faster as a freshman? Sophomore. Or sophomore, yeah. Sophomore was my fastest year and I was 5'4", 110 pounds. And then when you were a senior, what were you? 5'10", 150. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was stupid jacked then and it didn't even look like I lifted. <laughs> Oh, uh, a little bit. I mean, it did, but you used to, you ran, it totally changed your running form because I don't, I don't yeah. know. You, I mean, you ran like you were pretty fluid Yeah. when you were skinnier and you started lifting and yeah, but I mean, kids, you know, teenagers, who knows what the hell teenagers think? I mean, it's no, of course, yeah, if you would have dedicated yourself to running and I told you, I said, you know, you could, you could be you know, really good at running. You could get a scholarship. And I remember all you said was, I don't want to run for four more years after this. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't thinking ahead mm-hmm. at all. Like, you know what, what could actually help me like in the long term? Yeah. The only thing that I cared about was just looking good, not even like being strong, just looking good. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, yeah, I mean, my priorities have shifted, but I don't know when, when you get uh, the positive reinforcement, I mean, because I was skinny my entire life, mm-hmm. skinny and the smallest guy in the room. And now you're on steroids. And now I'm on steroids <laughs> <laughs> and get paid to do pull-ups if you ask people on the internet. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, always the smallest guy in the room. Um, and then every kid wants to be strong mm-hmm. and like look strong to other people. So once I got a little bit of that, like people were like, dang, have you been lifting? when I was like 15 and then like that just felt really good for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. I was like, I, th- I think I could work with, with this. And so priority getting jacked and then uh, everything else took the back seat. Yeah. Well, Hey, kids make, there's worse decisions kids make. That's true. I mean, that's not that bad a one to want to be in shape. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, the running kind of took the back seat and you, you know, you had some skill for it and some talent, but you know, you still wanted to train, you know, you still were doing good in school. You weren't doing anything technically stupid like teenagers do. So it's like, whatever it's, that's just part of life. You know, you, uh, sometimes, you know, what your dad wants you to do, just any teenage boy, especially can be pretty rebellious. So if your dad wants you to do it, like if I wanted you to hunt, it's pretty natural for a teenage boy to say, no, you want me to hunt? I don't want to hunt. Yeah. Cause it's just butting heads and it's just like, that's how, that's how teenagers kind of, you know, they mature and that's just, you want to make your own decisions. That's just part of being a young man. Yep. No, I think it was a lot of that for sure. Just like, I don't know, you start to feel a little bit more like an adult and you're like, I don't have to listen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though I lived at home until I was 23 <laughs> and I had to <laughs> abide by your rules the entire time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I know I'm, you know, hunting, I'm not the, I'm probably better now. I'm old as hell, but, uh, yeah. And also it was like when I was working full time, then I was hunting, then, I mean, it was always like time was trying to, to, to stack a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. So it makes it pretty intense. And that's my personality. I, I know. I mean, it definitely gives me a different perspective being, because now I'm 26 and what, you were 25 when you first had Tanner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't have any kids. So I, I can imagine like the, the stress you were under to, I mean, following your dream, being a bow hunter and then, uh, writing and then sub full-time job and trying to do everything in between and be a dad. But people always, I think they assume they give you a hard time. They're like, Oh, you weren't around for your kids cause you're too busy going on these hunts and whatnot. But, uh, almost every single basketball game for Tanner and I, you would be there. I mean, you'd be there. And a lot of the times we would wish that you weren't there because you were, <laughs> you would always have something to say after the game if it didn't go well. Like good job. <laughs> well, no, I just, I don't know. A lot of the times we struggled both with, uh, you would always tell us that we need to hustle more. And then obviously like looking back at it now, we're like, what the hell were we doing? We were being lazy. Mm-hmm. Just like not being that intense on defense and whatnot, not diving for loose balls. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, practice too, you'd be there. And then, so if I did something stupid, then you'd be like, Oh, my. I could just, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were, you were definitely there. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I'll tell you, there is no, there's no, uh, uh, outline or no rules to follow for being a dad that I knew of. So yeah, I, I learned on the fly and made a lot of mistakes, but, uh, um, you guys have, man, I mean, you guys and Taryn pretty proud. Uh, I don't know that that's from, I think Tracy's influence more than mine. She's like offset the damage I did by whatever. (laughs) I mean, she's pretty dang tough. We got to yeah. give her credit. Basically the best mom you could ever ask for. But uh, Best mom you ever had. The best mom I've ever had for sure. But yeah, I mean, even, you know, you would always push us and then mom would, uh, you know, tell us, you know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, which it, she just loves us no matter what. She doesn't yeah. care if we accomplish anything, if we push ourselves hard. She's just like, you guys are perfect the way you are. Mm-hmm. Not saying you don't, you don't think that, but I know that you think that we have, you know, if we're not given our, our all, then, uh, you'll have something to say about it. Yeah. I think if I made, if I could go back, maybe I would, you know, cause I always like put a lot of emphasis on physical, uh, effort and ability yeah. and like all about performance and performance can, it's one part of life, but you know, the, <laughs> the education, of course, I'd want you guys to get good grades, but it's always so focused on sports, sports and physical attributes and physical performance. And so it's like, you know, I know that there's more to life than that. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, yeah, just kind of, it's all about how you, uh, determine success because yeah, I mean, our, our whole thing was if you're the fastest, if you're the strongest, if you're like the best basketball player, then, uh, that's basically like where your self-worth is going to come from. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's just, that's what we did as kids. We just, and I mean, it it did pay off in, in some aspects, like, uh, in elementary school for me, I was the kid that ran and was fast and like people, you know, like amongst the other kids, they really respected that. And Tanner and I both actually, since we were like the only kids that would be out on a weekend running with our dads, not dads, with our dad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we would be running on the weekends and and we would just get better and better, obviously a lot more than the other kids because like you're not going to get better at running unless you're 
you're doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. Tanner uh, broke the school record for the mile. I think it was 638. And then of elementary school, elementary school, Yolanda elementary school, uh, mile. And then a few years later, when I got to the fifth grade, I did 628 and then I had the school record. So just like right there, like being able to win at something as a kid, it feels pretty dang good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't, you know, I can't complain. And then, um, the jogathon to run around laps. I set the school record and then at the assembly, they, uh, Printed me off this huge uh, piece of paper with a big star on it, 32 laps, school record. And then like everyone just applauded, all the kids, and you feel like a rock star, so. Yeah. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this. So if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM, C-A-M, for 20% off your first order. Now, those moments are, they're important and they're powerful for for a kid because it is, it's hard to get positive attention or reinforcement. So, um... You yeah. guys, you guys had the physical ability to do that because you definitely weren't doing it in grades. <laughs> no, I, I actually got decent grades. I know you both did. I think I got like three, one, three, two. I was never, a, <laughs> I was never a genius. You were never Taryn. No, no. My sister is, she's really good at school and, uh, I've never been that great. Yeah. You guys, you guys did good though. I mean, yeah. you guys were both smart kids. I mean. It's not every every kid isn't going to be obsessed with grades like, you know, maybe we were with the physical part of running or or even basketball, you know, points, wins, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, it's a balancing act and it's hard. It's, you know, I remember what it's like growing up and just, you know, as a boy, uh, you you're always it feels like you're always searching for something. It's like you never really know what it means to be. I don't remember what it means to be happy. So I was like, what, what, what feels good? You know? And it's like, it's hard. It's hard because other young boys are feeling the same way. And so tough on each other. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Freaking tough to be, to grow up. Yeah. I mean, what, I forget the exact details of the story, but you would run a mile before school every day. Yeah. No, I would, but I was five. So. <laughs> five. Yeah. I didn't even know you were in school when you were five. Yeah, no, I started when I was five for some reason. I, like I said, I think my mom just wanted to get rid of me. So she's like, can this little fucker start school now? <laughs> yeah. So what, she dropped you off at like 6 a.m. or what? No, I walked to school. Oh. Yeah, that was back when yeah parents didn't really care about their kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, didn't you end up getting a school record of some kind? Like... 
Good job, Cam. You ran 100 miles in yeah, a month. I got the school record for getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote F-U-K on the chalkboard. <laughs> the teacher was out, so that was a record. Dang. Um, no, I ran like, it was a month of something like October, I think, but it was however many miles you could run on your own time. So it was before school, I'd go and I'd run a mile every day when I was five. I was five in the first grade. So like the first two years, I'd go and... I don't know. I can't remember if it was a school record, probably, probably a world record. But uh, <laughs> I think I ran 20 some miles. So like there's 20 school days in the year, in the, in the month of October, which I think is when it was. And so I'd run a mile every day, which, you know, for my, I was also small. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good for being five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like, but that whole, that stemmed back from my dad too. My dad was a track star. You know, everybody in Eugene knew him and, uh, he was, he worked at Eugene athletic, which is down on the mall here in town. And so I would go to Eugene athletic and my dad was like shoe guy and he'd get people set up with shoes cause he's been a track coach or a track athlete than a track coach. But in between he, he worked there. So it was always like shoes and performance and running and track track meets at Hayward field. And so that was, I was like, okay, if I, to get my dad's approval, I need to, you know, run. And uh, my mom and dad were divorced at this time, but yeah. So it's always, I know, like I say, I just know how it feels. I remember how I felt, and it's just like you're trying to get, you know, attention for something. And uh, for me, running gave it to me, and so that's kind of what I tried to pass on to you guys, I guess, whether whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, yeah, running's always been a big part of our lives for sure. I forget the time at a. Hayward, you were just able to go there and run as long as you wanted um, before they just remodeled it and, and whatnot. But uh, when I wore that all gold um, outfit, mm -hmm. and then we did like we did like twenty laps. Yeah, I think I can't remember how old you were, but we went over there one night. It was dark. Yeah, and uh, you just kept running. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't remember how old you were. I don't know, Tanner. Do you remember? Had, had to have been like five or six. Yeah, pretty young, but yeah. ran, so what? You ran four or five miles? Yeah, I think it was like 20 laps. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like getting up like to 10, 11, 12. And then you're like, I, I can't believe you're still going. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, you haven't seen nothing yet. I want to keep going. <laughs> and then that felt, that felt really good. And then um, the first time I broke an eight minute mile too was a big deal for mm -hmm. me. Because I, I mean, I think I was... I think that was a first grade. Um, you know, we would always run and try to break it. And then I would hyperventilate, which I don't even know. I've never done that since like being a kid. <laughs> like yeah. when you're a kid, you just, I don't know, get to uh, like you start to panic maybe because it, it hurts or you're, you're breathing like your uh, heart rate gets up too high maybe and you I, don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I think you kind of are being dramatic yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, that's your way out. <laughs> yeah. You're like, obviously he's not going to keep going if he's going. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause I don't know about all kids, but all you kids kind of, I don't remember Tanner doing it, but I know Tan Taryn has done it. Um, so yeah, I think it's Tanner just, didn't do it. I don't think, I don't remember. Damn. I can't remember. Tougher than me. Yeah. He's always been pretty tough. Um, but yeah, you guys you know, what other kids were going and running Pisco when they were young, not 
I don't see too many kids these days running Pisgah and you guys had to do it all the time. Or did you want to, or did you have to? No, we had to, we had to <laughs> for sure. But yeah, that was, I mean, we just talked about this earlier today, but when uh, Tanner and I raced up Pisgah mm-hmm. and I was, I had to have been like seven. And so that means Tanner was 10. And then we were just talking trash up until Pisgah and just saying how, oh man, I'm going to smoke you. And <laughs> and then, I mean, as a seven-year-old, I can't imagine my comebacks were too great and I couldn't really talk. Couldn't yeah. S- couldn't say my R's and S's. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then we got there. I had been training like actually pretty decently just running with you on the weekends. I don't think Tanner had been. Maybe mm. he was doing sports, so he wasn't running as much. And then so we take off sprinting in the beginning. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then we got to like up the first hill and then Tanner, he bowed out. <laughs> he sat off on the side of the trail and uh, just hands on his lap and just like watch me just keep go, keep go, going. And then um, I got all the way up. I don't even know how far ahead, but uh, I looked back right before I turned the corner where he was still in view and I saw him and him and you now heading up, starting to run. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, it looks like my dad has forced him. And then uh, I get all the way almost to the end. And then uh, here comes Tanner and he's going strong. And I'm starting to feel it at this point. Lactic acid build up. And then uh, grab my calves and I fall down to the ground, like wiggle, <laughs> just because like it hurts so bad. And I had been running so hard, what I thought. And then uh, here comes Tanner, stronger than ever. And then I fall down, and then now you have to help me. And I think you picked me up, and then we we started to go. And then I almost ended up catching Tanner. It was like a sprint to, uh, towards the monument at the end. And then he actually he beat me in the end. So, and th- that's another thing. I've never actually beat Tanner in anything, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've been a better runner like fastest marathon 257 um I, I don't even know i think tanner's is 330 no oh sorry. <laughs> is, is it 340 yeah 340 something yeah well anyway i've been faster but in every single head-to-head race never beat him mm-hmm. not once it's like the classic big brother thing yeah and then uh basketball never beat him in a game of one-on-one <laughs> <laughs> like last time we played was I don't know a while ago, but I was an adult, full grown, and still couldn't get it done. <laughs> like growing up, it makes sense. You're smaller, mm-hmm. but no, I just couldn't. And then I don't know. We probably has Tanner beat you in one on one? No. Yeah. Yeah, but like as kids, that was impossible. Oh, I don't think so. Not not. Did you ever as a kid? No, I don't think so. Yeah, but it, yeah, the, we quit once. He, what's that? Got pretty brutal out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we there were some pretty intense games. Yeah. I mean, and I think Tanner was I don't even know how old, maybe 13, 13, 14. You guys would have some pretty it's like uh what's that movie? Oh, with Denzel. Denzel, and he got game. He got game. Tanner was Jesus Shuttles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I okay. If I, I I don't really want to get into all my vices, but one big one is very competitive and also not nice. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, yeah, we had some epic one-on-ones, but yeah, once I think once Tanner got in high, 
maybe older in high school. Yeah, I couldn't beat him. He got, he's really good at basketball. Um, but up until whatever, yeah. I mean, but we would go, you guys are tough. You guys are fucking tough kids. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, you came up doing hard things, a lot of hard things, a lot of digging. You mentioned the, the race up Pisgah and it sound, sounds like kind of silly, but man, you guys developed an edge, you know, because yeah. pushing that hard and racing and hurting that bad and still getting it done, that's, to me, that's valuable life lessons. And that carries over because you still remember it, you know? Yeah. And uh, you remember what that feels like and you remember what it, how it feels to dig deep. Well, I mean, you would... Yeah, it's like you learn if you train hard for something and you really want it, you're going to get it done. Like you get better. And that's, I mean, that's like we practice, would run a mile um, on the weekends at the track, just training um, for the school record and then was able to get it done. But yeah, it's like if you uh, if you set aside a time, make time for something to get better at it, then uh, it's going to show. And that's that's one thing that we learned. Yeah. I mean, what, what I, I can't remember. I mean, I think I said it many times, but I know I talked to Tanner about it, but it was like, it, cause I'm in the same boat. Um, you guys were way more talented than me, but I just said that if you guys do what everybody else does, you're going to be pretty much about everybody else. Cause you're pretty average as far as, you know, you didn't have a 40 inch vertical, weren't the biggest. So it's like, if you just do the average effort, just do like, go to practice just like everybody else. Okay. You're just going to be whatever. You're going to kind of just middle of the pack. Yep. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. But if we outwork everybody else, then who knows? Yeah. You know, and I, I was very proud of T Tanner took that. We shot threes after his practice, like every night, ended up getting first team all league in basketball. And, uh, you know, that was to me that I love seeing him have that success because that that showed, OK, this does work. Right. You work your ass off. There are rewards. And. Um, that's the only, that's all I tried to really, um, just, just, I, w I just wanted you guys to understand that part of it. And it seems like you both did because you got, both have been very hard workers. Well, one thing you would always say to us is, um, like, you'll thank me eventually. <laughs> yeah, all parents say that though. <laughs> you'll thank me later. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I guess, I guess that's actually true though. Like looking back at it, I'm like, geez, I could have been so soft as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then like the fact that like I, you just wouldn't really allow it or like you want to entertain the idea of us just being able to do whatever we wanted to do and like you know, just be lazy, play video games. It's carried over to my adult life. Yeah, I made quite the impression. So so don't you have something to say to me? Thank you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's talk about, you know, everybody watched in as senior journey in the pull-ups. And I think that started, you can, you can explain it, but where did the journey with pull-ups start for you? Yeah. Pull-ups specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, I will, I will say, um, when I was lifting consistently in high school, one thing that I was always good at was pull-ups. Mm. 
I'd be able to bust out like 20 in a row. And that was a lot back then, like in high school. And then um, we met Goggins back in 2018 and we did uh, that 50K. Then we went to the gym, worked out for an hour. And then after the workout, Goggins um, did 100 after every single, like that's how he would finish. That was like his finisher. And then so he would do five, walk to the other side of the gym, walk back, do five. And then so he just kept doing that until 100. And then I was like, I was like, dang, that's actually, that, that looks pretty cool. And then so... I started to do that, and that was back in 2018. So you did 100 with them that night too, didn't you? Or did you not? Actually, I don't think I did. Oh, you didn't? No, I was pretty gassed. We were pretty smart. That was a hard workout. Yeah. A lot of people see the video and they see 25s. They see the 25s on the incline. And they're like, oh, these guys are ma-. whatever. You know how people on the internet are just fucking complete dumb fucks. But <laughs> they yeah. talk about the 95. Well <laughs> but uh, they talk about the 95 pounds. But God, we had done so many reps of everything before. I, I mean, the 50K uh, yeah, alone. We ran 30 some miles that morning. And that was your first 50K, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, first 50K, I did it in uh, five hours and 56 minutes. Yeah. And that's not the easiest 50K. That's on Pisco. So you're doing pretty much four summits. Yep. In in 32 miles or whatever it was on a cold, rainy, maybe snowy day. It was cold, yeah. Yeah. It was cold and muddy. So we started off with that. Then we did this. Goggins likes to say animalistic workout. Yeah. <laughs> which was hard. I don't know how many reps we did, but probably 600, I think, if we counted everything out. Yeah. And then, uh, then yeah, then he did the 100 pull-ups. I didn't. I didn't know if you did. I was, like, pretending like I had to go do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you had a business meeting or something. Yeah. Um, but, no, so I saw that, and I was like, well, I think I can do that, like, every day mm-hmm. and just whatever. I didn't even have any goals in mind. I was just like, Oh, hundred pull-ups a day. That's what Goggins does. That's what I'll do. And so I did that. And then, um, I got the idea in like 2020, early 2020. Well, because actually now that I think about it on Christmas, no, on a new year's Eve, 2019. So like just about to be, um, 2020, Mm -hmm. I did a thousand out here in this gym. Mm. And then you came out and took pictures. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, pictures sucked. Yeah, the pictures sucked. I remember that too. <laughs> we, were, we wanted you to look all jacked or we were hoping, but yeah, I don't know, the light sucked or you weren't jacked or and, something. Well, and I had a bunch of back knee. <laughs> so that doesn't look cool. No. Because uh, of the roids. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. Um, did a thousand in like five hours. First of all, I just want to say, anybody who says... True, it's on steroids. Doesn't really know how obsessed you are about your hair and skin. Because. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I want to jeopardize that. <laughs> no, I yeah. don't think so. I mean, <laughs> the way you carry on about everything and I and your complexion, because that kind of goes hand in hand with steroid use, apparently, people say. So I think that alone would. Well, definitely the hair. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, acne was a big thing for me too. Growing yeah. up, like yeah. uh, in high school, that was that was tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't see you doing taking anything that could no could uh, kickstart any of those issues. So yeah, I mean, for for people like to talk shit, you have no idea what goes on in this kid's head about his hair and and complexion. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Um, so yeah, I did a thousand. Um, 
So this was, it went into 2020, January 1st. Mm -hmm. And then Tanner, this was when uh, he was a ranger. He went to his gym um, after I did the thousand because whatever, like we like to compete physical competitions. Um, he ended up doing 1200. I think that was in January or February. He did 1200 in a 12 hour window. And then uh, I wanted to see how much I could get in a 12 hour window. Then I ended up doing 2100 mm -hmm. out here in this gym. And then, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to see how far I could take it. Um, Goggins record was in my mind because he said in 2013 did 4,030 pull-ups and I was like geez I'm over ha halfway there and um in 12 hours in 12 hours like I could definitely if I just kept training I could definitely do this and so in April 2020 I did 4,117 hours my hands all torn up everyone and their mom has seen that video and everyone and their mom thought that I had the world record after that mm -hmm. and uh I didn't the world record at that time was uh, 7,715, so I wasn't even close. Was that the ranger who had that? Brandon Tucker, yeah. Yeah. Yep, he had the record. Um, and yeah, just like in 19 and a half hours too, so he was That's so much more than 4,000. I it, mean, you're yes. getting close to double, and your 4,000 kicked your ass. Kicked my ass, and my hands were just absolutely fried. And yeah, I mean, I, I think when you kind of tell yourself like what's possible and, and whatnot, like you kind of set limitations like... I was done at 4,100. Mm -hmm. There was no hope of going more. Like I was just so done. And I think physically your body kind of gives up when you like set a limit. But then, I mean, people kept saying like, man, congratulations on the world record. And I didn't have it. And then, so I kind of felt like a fraud, even mm -hmm. though like I did something that was hard, but people thought I did something that was even more spectacular. And then I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I actually did have the world record so mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have to feel like this? And people always coming up to me and saying, well, dude, did you sell the record? It's like, no, I never did. <laughs> so then whatever did pull-ups for like a few years, every single day, just like I went up to like 200 reps and I figured that was enough because I had the idea of, okay, I'm going to break this 70 or uh, 7,715, and then um, that record got broken, 8,008 by Jackson Italiano from Australia. And then um, I was telling my wife that I, I needed something uh, to like work towards. This was earlier this year, 2023. And I was like, I, I need to like, I need to push myself in something because like just lifting and whatnot, not having a goal, it's, it's just like kind of getting old. And then she was like, well, yeah, apply for the record on Guinness and uh, go for that. Break that because you know that you can do that easily. And then in my easily? in my mind, yeah, in my mind, this is how delusional I was. It was going to be easy. Mm, I remember dinner. The, the dinner we, the night before. Me, you and Tanner, and I think Alicia was there, obviously. but Candace. And Candace, yeah, yeah, went out to dinner and you said, yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to be that hard. Yeah, I said, I'm actually worried it's not going to be hard enough. And that was a stupid thing to say. <laughs> that That's a stupid way of thinking about it going into the, the hardest day of your life, physically at least. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's know that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season. Every animal is a unique challenge. Every hunt, a different experience. And I count on my local Cabela store here in Springfield, Oregon to gear me up with all my hunting necessities. And you know, I like to support companies that give back to conservation. Under the leadership of founder John Morris, 
Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's are leading North America's largest conservation movement. Together with our partners, they're positively shaping the future of the outdoors through donations, grant writing, and advocacy. Head to their website, BassProShop.com or Cabela's.com and get geared up for your upcoming hunts. But yeah, I did. I was doing 200 every day and I thought I was really doing something. And then um, went for the record, April 22nd, did uh, 4,100 again and in 12 hours. But the last thousand were pretty iffy reps because I was so gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely didn't train hard enough. And I found that out on game day when I got the cameras, got the cameraman to come out, got, flew people out. Everyone was there. And then um, live stream going. And then obviously I failed in front of like by half. I, I got half of what I was supposed to do and I was absolutely done. And then I remember driving to a restaurant. We went and ate after. And I told myself, I didn't say it out loud. I was like, I am never doing that again. Cause it just, you know, it's miserable. Yeah. You fail. And, uh, physically I was like, eh, I probably just can't do it. Um, but then I, d- I didn't realize like how much training actually pays mm-hmm. off. Like I just had to find a l- different uh, level of dedication. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that day specifically. So I went April 22nd, I failed and then trained for like three weeks, um, doing like a thousand mm. and, uh, wasn't getting any easier just like every single rep was hard and it's hours going by. Like mm-hmm. that's how I'm spending my free time is just doing a bunch of pull-ups. Yeah. And so it, it like, I got to kind of a breaking point cause on a day that I was supposed to do, um, 3000, I did 800. And then I called my wife and I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I was like, this is stupid. I was like, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like why I think I could do this, do something that never, has been done before, which is over 8,008 pull-ups. And I was like, I don't even think I'm physically built for it. Um, the other guys are lighter than I am. So like I'm at a disadvantage and it's not getting any easier. And I've been training for a long time. And, and then, so I built up all the excuses and then, um, well, I, I basically allowed myself to quit and I told my wife that it was over and then, uh, was driving. Then I, I texted you and I was like, do you think I'm a failure if I don't try for the pull-up record again? And then that's when you said, no, I think you just need to take a break. And as long as you're working towards something, like that's all that matters. You know, that's a good answer. Um, obviously you don't want to be like, yeah, you're going to be a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then so I was pretty content for like a few hours of being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go back to lifting, try to get jacked and... uh whatever, not going to do the pull-ups. I actually went through, uh, my captions on Instagram and I deleted like another training week in the books, uh, <laughs> for the world record. Cause I was just like, screw this. I'm, I'm totally bowing out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to know that like I was going to try to go for it again. Yeah. So I was covering my tracks and then, um, I was sitting on the couch later that day and I was like, shoot, I might as well just see this thing through. I need to, I need to see if I can actually do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? I, I train harder this time around. I, I'll at least get closer and then I can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, Give it one more good effort. Yeah. W- one more good effort just because I already laid it out there after I failed. I was like, oh yeah, I'll come back better than ever. So I already kind of screwed myself by saying like, I'm going to try again. And then, um, yeah, so that was a month later 
when that happened, when I did the 800 on the day of the 3000 mm. and then, um, next day or so started doing pull-ups again, stuck with it for the next, uh, five months and then just trained really hard. And, um, yeah, got, got to a point to where I could do 5,000 in 12 hours. And, um, and then, yeah, I was, I was pretty, um, ready for the next attempt for sure. Mm -hmm. And so that went just perfect. No issues on the day. Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy because train my ass off. I mean, like the dedication was pretty crazy, you know, like three times a week is what I would do. Uh, 2000 reps. And that would take usually four hours. I saw on social media that that's not possible to do 2000. Oh yeah. No, I've, I've, I've seen that too. I've actually seen that after the fact, <laughs> now that I've done 8,100 pull-ups, people will say, um, on a video where I say like a thousand before work, thousand after, cause that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. They would say, ha ha, 2000 in one day, that's impossible. And then I would reply, which feels pretty good, but I would say, do me a favor and look up on Google most pull-ups in 24 hours. <laughs> Let me know what name you see, then come back. Yeah. And then so, you know, obviously up pops my name. Um, and that feels that feels pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, maybe two thousand is believable mm -hmm. if I did four times that amount. Yeah. But yeah, on actual game day, I you know, everything was going well. Um and I got to like um I think it was like around five thousand is when I started to, to slow down. I was just getting gassed and uh, I had been going for like 13 hours. So like when you're doing something for that long, it's, you know, fatigue's going to kick in. Well, it was interesting too, because you had done 5,000 or 12 hours and you said you felt good in training. Yeah. And so you kind of had in your head that you should be able to get to 5,000 and 12 hours. And then, but then on game day, mm -hmm. you were feeling more fatigued than on that one training day. And that's right. just a hard thing about, you know, I, I relate it to like people who have to run in the, the Olympics, they get one day, they got to be at their best. And you had this date picked, you had people flew in, you had, you know, Guinness, the application for that day, you had the live stream. So it's like, you have to perform whether you feel good or not. Yep. This is the day. Yeah. And I mean, just like NBA players, like Steph Curry can hit 13 threes one day, then the next day he's one, four, 15. Yeah. Just like, you never really know mm -hmm. like how it's going to go. So, I mean, I was, you know, I, I went for it, um, was still making, you know, do 5,013 hours. You're still on pace for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, my stomach was absolutely on the fritz. Um, I just had so much candy and mm -hmm. I thought that was a way to go. And then it was bubbling and whatnot. And I spent probably like an hour total on the toilet just diarrhea, mm -hmm. just gassing it up. Um, and yeah, so I was, my stomach was just like all over the place. That kind of took me out of it, took me out of the groove. I never had that issue in training. So that was a new thing. And then um, I had just had to find a way to just keep going. And then, um, you know, as you know, like when you do the 200 mile races, you run 20 miles and that's a long run. Mm-hmm but you're not even close to being there. Yeah, It's like you did 240 miles, so you still have 220 left. And if you think about it like that, every mile that you do literally doesn't mean anything, mm -hmm. but like you're getting closer. Yeah. 
So, I mean, when I got to 5,000, I still had 3,000 left. And every rep now I had to earn. Mm-hmm. It wasn't getting any easier. And then it's it can be hard to see like the light at the end of the tunnel when you're like that. Because then you start saying to yourself, how many am I doing a minute? Um, and then how many more hours am I going to have to go? And then how many reps is that going to be? And it hurts now, so it's going to hurt. Just continue to get worse and worse as time goes on. And it's like, geez, I, I do five reps. I got 3,000 left. I'm not even getting closer to the goal. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, just like the the 200-mile races, every step ends up counting because you just get closer and closer to the end goal. And then before you know it, like after three days go by, you're there. Yeah. And you never thought it would be possible. But it's like, as long as you just keep going, you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was that was a big mental barrier to cross. Yeah, because I remember you were saying that I mean, you were talking, you kept thinking about numbers and time and doing right. the math yep. and trying to do math in your brain's just fried because you've been doing pull-ups for 15 hours or whatever it is. Mm. It'd be pretty, you know, you're just like, it's, I can't remember what you said, but you know, something like it's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, well, at that point that was 6,600, I was doing about three a minute, mm-hmm. which is 180 an hour. Yeah. It's not a lot. No. I I, I wouldn't have been on pace. Like I would have come up short if I kept that up. Mm -hmm. So I was at 6,600 and you did the, I forget what the the look is, but you kind of went like, like (laughs) look back at Tanner, like, I don't think this is going to happen. And then uh, I could tell that like the energy in the room was like, oof, like this isn't going well. He's slowing down. I went to the live stream, saw the comments are like, you know, I was really rooting for Trua, but it doesn't look like he's going to get it. He's like with this pace and people saying that like, yeah, no, he's not going to be able to get it and whatnot. And then so. He's really slowing down. Really slowing down. <laughs> yeah. And then I told my wife, I was like, yeah, we need to face reality. And I was like, this isn't going to happen. I was like, there's not enough time. I wasted too much time on the toilet. Just like things weren't going my way. So like I that I was pretty much like, looking for a way out Mm -hmm. of people being like yeah no i mean i get it like you had diarrhea so you can (laughs) you can quit and feel good about it um and then so i was looking for that and then i i never got it from her i mean she was pretty upset (laughs) because (laughs) well i it's like you train to be in that exact position i was 17 hours in Mm -hmm. 6600 reps down i just have 1400 left it's like and then you told me um, the story about Courtney, mm-hmm. about how her first 100-mile race, she got to like 60 miles, and then she didn't realize that was part of 100-mile races is how bad it hurts. The pain. Yeah, the pain. She was like, oh, that's just like part of it. Mm-hmm. And then so like the next time that she did uh, go out, she was like, yeah, no, this is just like part of the equation. And then like you, you got to push past that pain. Mm-hmm. So you told me that like, um, what separates like winners and losers is winners, like when it hurts, they're able to push past it. And that's what makes them great. Um, whereas like other people, they feel pain, then they they quit. And then you're like, I mean, did you think that this was going to be easy? And uh, like, you're the one who brought this upon yourself. And I was like, you know, you never really know what's going to get through to someone when they're just going through hell. But like those words stuck with me. And then um, my wife, Alicia, <laughs> crying too, just like, seeing your wife cry, you're just like, geez, I, I need to get myself together. And then, so I was doing three a minute, like I said, and, uh, and then 
just, you know, kind of gave it a go. I mean, Eric, he said it best, Eric McCormick, our friend, um, he was like, every time you've touched that bar, you've been successful. So like, I, I never had any failed reps. I was no. still going strong. It's just mentally, I wasn't there. Mentally, I didn't have the edge, but physically I was still going strong. You just had to get on that bar. I just had to get on the bar. Yeah. And you were like looking at the bar a lot, but once you grabbed it, yeah, you did a pull up yep. every time you tried. Yep. Yeah. And then, so, you know, I, I felt I was still like battling with myself. I was like, am I actually, am I actually going to do this? Like, well, I remember the first time or the, the, in April, I just said, your body was, it's just not going to happen. No. And I, I was failing reps. Took Alicia around the corner and I said, it's not happening today. And she started crying then too. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, it's just, you know, your body just couldn't do it. This time your body could do it. It was your mind. Yeah. And so never said that, yes, yeah, not going to happen because I could see your body was fine. It was just that, but it's so much, so mental too, because it hurts so bad and you're, you know, you're fatigued, but your body's still performing. I mean, at midnight is when I really started to feel it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was really like, this isn't going to happen at that point. You're, uh, for me, I was 17 hours in 17 mm. hours of standing in that spot, doing pull-ups for 17 straight hours. Yeah. Like naturally you're just going to lose your mind. And then, so I kind of did and. I remember I went to the bathroom and I looked myself in the mirror at like 66, 6,700. And I was like, I was like, you have more in you. I was like, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You just, you need to find a different gear. Went back out and um, then I kind of decided like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and try to do this instead of just feeling sorry for myself and scared of how bad it's going to hurt. I'm just going to try and worse that's going to happen is I'm going to end up failing, but at least I gave it my all. So I asked for some shades, sunglasses, so I could just zone out, asked my brother to play some suicide boys as loud as possible, um, chug some caffeine and then, uh, just went to town, started doing, this is like 17, 18 hours in started doing, um, three every 30 seconds. So six a minute when I was doing three a minute just prior. And the only thing that changed was mentally, I was like, I, I, I gotta just, I gotta go. And then, um, yeah. And then before I knew it, I, I was up to uh 7,000. And then I was just like nodding my head, listening to the music and pointing at like the live stream, just saying to myself, like, you guys have seen nothing yet. <laughs> like you guys thought that I was done. No, no, I'm yeah. just warming up. And then, so I got to 7,000, had a thousand left. And at that point, like I, I passed that mental barrier and I was like, shoot, I can do this thing. Mm -hmm. Three, 3 a.m. rolls around, um, been going for at this point, 20 hours and then feeling stronger than ever get to like 7,500, still feeling strong. And, but then I kind of realized at that point, I was like, shoot, I still have 500 reps left and <laughs> I got to earn every single one. Yeah. Um, and 500 is still a lot. 500 is still a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, just kept going, kept going. And, and like I said, just, you keep chipping away. Don't focus on anything other than chipping away. And then you're going to get there eventually. And, mm -hmm. um, that's what I was able to do and able to set the world record. And I mean, I was completely done mentally. Like I, I was going to announce it to everyone and say, Hey, by the way, this isn't going to happen again. 
you guys can leave. <laughs> but then I got to 7,000 and I was like, geez, I'm part of the 7,000 club. And I was like, okay, let's keep going. Let's see how far we can take this. And I got to 7,900. Then I remember going over to you. I was at like 7,900 and like 93. And then I just like tapped you on the shoulder. And I was like, can you believe that? Like, I'm, I'm going to get it. And then, so like once that moment kicked in, it was pretty impactful for yeah. me. Just like, I don't know. I, I don't think people make themselves proud that often, mm-hmm. but like in myself, I was, I was actually proud. Mm-hmm. And you uh, didn't quit. Cause I didn't quit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I know people are like, yeah, well, that's a stupid goal. Anyway, people have been saying that like, <laughs> cause I explain like the context, um, videos of my hands and then they're like, that's a stupid thing to even do to yourself. And it's like, yeah, but not all of our goals are the same. Mm-hmm. Your goals are probably stupid. Um, but to like other people, yeah, to other people, but, yeah. um, this is what I wanted to do and I was able to do it and I was proud of myself and that felt pretty dang good. Yeah. To, to do the most pull-ups in 24 hours in the history of man, that's right. kind of cool. Yeah. You can, people can discount it all they want. Um, <clears throat> but it's never been done before. No, it's a workout that people do all the time. Yeah. And then so like to be able to say like, oh. And 10 is hard. For a normal yeah. man, 10 pull-ups is freaking hard. I know. I mean, yeah, I started out doing sets of 10 all yeah. the way into like 3,000 and then dropped down to like sets of five and whatnot. But yeah, it's just, you know, the training, obviously it, it pays off. I, like we were saying on our run today, I didn't become the best in the world on that day, October 14th, I did it in training and then I just proved it on that day. Mm-hmm. Like I built myself up to where I was the best um, during training when no one else was there, just me, myself, the bar and um, and music mm-hmm. and then just cranking away. And then that's how I got to be able to do 8,100. So training. What? So what do you think motivated you to to do the most in history? What was your, what was your number one motivation? There probably is multiple things, but what, yeah. what stands out? Well, this sounds kind of funny, but, um, you know, rational redneck, <laughs> uh, su- super fan. <laughs> um, but now he, when I said the day before, like, I'm going to go for the record, he commented and said that he has, um, he can guarantee a hundred percent that I'm going to fail and then he'll reveal his identity if I do <laughs> accomplish it. And then, so when I was feeling sorry for myself at 6,600, I was like, damn, like, I really don't want this guy to be right. <laughs> Cause he was a hundred percent certain that I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. So I was like, I, I honestly thought about that and I know he's a, He's just like kidding or maybe I think it's satire. It's just, he's a troll. He's just having fun. He's just having fun. I think he's hilarious. Yes. But some of the things kind of, kind of burn away at you. And then also (laughs) people saying that like, um, I failed miserably the first time. Um, 2000 is impossible. I wouldn't have the, uh, the fuel or the, the fire, like the truth of it to be like, yeah, well, what, by the way, I have the world record. So I had a lot of motivation. Just proving people wrong. Just to prove people wrong, yeah. for sure. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't know, people, People, when you um, claim to do something that's like physically challenging, I, I don't know what it is, but people just want to discount it like immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they, didn't, they don't want to give you that satisfaction. It's like, oh, if I can't do it, then he definitely can. Mm-hmm. 
And then so, I mean, that's, I've just been dealing with that the last few months. And then so I just, I really wanted to prove those people wrong. Wanted to make my wife proud and then um, make everyone there proud that like they came out to support me. They believed in me. They, they believed that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just wanted to, to make everyone proud. So yeah, do, I just buckled down. Do you, you know, it's weird now because social media is such a big part of our lives these days. You know, almost everybody's, everybody's on social media at some point, either looking at things or posting things. And, but a big part of that is we judge each other, mm-hmm. you know? So um, do you think about like who's going to see what you're doing and who's either proving them wrong or proving them right. Cause there's people who believe in you like Goggins has believed in you, mm-hmm. you know, so people like even like Joe has would believe in you, but how much does that weigh in? Like, yeah, you want to prove rational redneck wrong, even though he's kind of joking <laughs> around. Yeah. But also there's a lot of people who they just hate on winners. That, yeah. I mean, that's just people who succeed. You're going to get hate. You're going to get hate from people who haven't achieved what they wanted to. So they feel bad about where they are in life. So they want to make you feel bad. Have you ever dealt with that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel, I mean, it's, you know, some people are better at it than others, but yeah, of course it affects any, we're humans. We're not, we're not designed to deal with um, acceptance or, or criticism from millions of people. And right now, millions of people can weigh in on your life. Yeah, I mean, social media is just such a new thing to where, like, if you're doing 2,000 pull-ups a day, and then, um, or, I mean, and again, I wasn't doing 2,000 pull-ups a day. That would be 14,000 a week. I was doing 6,000 a week, mm-hmm. typically. But See, you're lying again. Yeah, so I, I am a liar. Um, but no, like, if someone, before social media, you said that you did that, and then someone said, no, you didn't, you're a liar you would probably fight that person. <laughs> but since it's social media, they can say whatever and not have any consequences. Mm-hmm. And like they can call you a liar and then they don't have to deal with it at all, like what you might do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would think about that stuff all the time during training and that, you know, that just motivated me even more. Um, but no, social media is just so weird. I mean, I used to give you a hard time about like, why do you even respond to these people? Mm-hmm. Um, like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why entertain it? But now I get it. It's like, yeah, it, it just pisses you off <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, especially to me, it's different when, or it's not different, but because everybody's affected in different ways. But when you wor- work your ass off for something. Right. And you've like dedicated so much time and effort and mental energy and physical energy. And then somebody wants to critique that. Because you've worked so, you've worked your ass off to what to do whatever you're doing, that impacts you. Because you're mm. like, I've been fucking busting my ass, and you can just, you know, discount it with, I mean, say whatever. Yeah. You know, and, you know, as, uh, you know, I keep talking about, I talked about you guys as young men, but men in general in this day and age, it's a weird time, you know, because you know, as a hunter, like not everybody hunts or not everybody hunts the same way or, or so it's like men love to judge each other in that realm. Or if it's physical, every man sees himself and compares himself to other men or Mm -hmm. not every man, but most men. And then they feel like it's a reflection on them. So it's just like in this, in this scope of hunting, physical ability and attributes and all the stuff, it's like men are, 
you know, it's, it's hardly ever women weighing in with negativity or talking shit. It's no. never women. No, it's, it's fucking other guys. I don't it's, have any woman haters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's fine because that's just the way it goes. And that's just, that's life. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's times where you're like, God damn, these guys suck. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're drawn to the negative too. Yeah. Uh, negativity bias. Um, you can have a hundred positive comments mm. and then that one is just like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's, um, that's just the way it goes. I mean, as everybody likes to, to claim is, oh, just ignore the comments or don't read them. It's like, okay. <laughs> everybody looks at them and it's just, I know, whatever. I guess the more success you have, it's, uh, I, I think even the most successful people in the world still hear the negative. Yeah. And he's still LeBron. How much shit does he get? And he he reacts to it sometimes. I've contributed to that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just it's just the way it goes. But yeah, I'm I mean, I have I get a I get more motivation off weak men being pathetic than I do off supporters. Yeah. I mean, that's just and that's hey, whatever fuels you, great. But uh yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, in the, and in truth, it's like you look around and you're like, how could we, how could we be in, impacted negatively by anything? Because been blessed by so much. Yeah, you know, so we have, you know, our families healthy, loves each other. It's just like, and you're gonna let some stranger impact you. It's it's pretty crazy, but. Uh, so at the end of the day, I look around and I'm like, God, I got, I got so much. I've, you know, me personally, I've outdone my ability or what I deserved by 10 times. And so I can't, you know, there's, there's nothing I could say that that would change that I don't deserve to be where I'm at. Mm -hmm. You boys, you guys have worked your asses off your pretty much your whole life. So you've earned whatever you have. You have the world record. You earned it. People can say whatever. Fuck them. Yeah, and I will say this about it. Like, you know, people give me a lot of props because the, the pull-ups and whatnot. But, and Tanner's not on this podcast, but he's, uh, he's recording. Um, I can be tough for like one day. Mm -hmm. You know, like one day, that's, that's what I have my mindset on. Is like, yeah, I can be tough and I can, I can bust this thing out. But, you know... Tanner, he's had to be tough for four years straight, um, just being a ranger and whatnot. So it's like, you got to give credit. He's tough. And then um, sometimes I am, but no, I mean, definitely it's like, I don't know, you, you got to earn it. Um, and that's, that's what I was able to do on that day. So yeah, it's perspective. You, you, yeah, for one day, you're really good. Um, there's people like, you know, and I look at this too, like people, I can be pretty tough for certain stretches, but I look at Roy, he was always tougher than me, always more of a badass in the mountains. And so, yeah, we, to me, it's like, we can learn and grow from people like that. So I would look at Roy, he would help me be better. I wouldn't look at him and go, you know, think negatively and think that, oh, I'm better than this. Just like you, you don't look at Tanner and say that, you know, you're tougher, you're better. You look at him and, and you're like, you know, he's done this for longer than me. I can, I can 
push through one day, yeah. you know? So it's all how you look at it where I feel bad for the people who do are the shit talkers on social media. It's like, they're using, they're using it for the wrong reason. It's like, how, why don't you use it to better yourself mm -hmm. or to be inspired? And, you know, it sounds cliche and sounds like, oh, pie in the sky, but it's true. You know, you can look at the same circumstance, two different people, one's inspired and they get better and they're, they grow. One is negative and it impacts them and they're miserable. Yeah. I what, mean, what I, do you, what do you want to, what do you want to do? I don't think people realize how mental a lot of their life is. Yeah. You know, just like it's, it really comes down to perspective and mindset. Um, just like someone close to me, um, they're like clinically depressed mm -hmm. is, is what some people would call it. Like, oh, we want to put you on, um, is that anxiety medication like Lexapro or whatever, mm -hmm. or depression medication to, to make you, uh, feel happier and whatnot. Um, and then wasn't happy on that, felt terrible. And, uh, and then ask them like how they are every week. How you doing? Oh, um, I'm okay, but life sucks. Like there's no point in living. It's just whatever. It's just mm -hmm. every day is I'm not working towards anything. And, and then, so it was doing terrible. And then, um, and now I ask, and I'm not sure what changed. I think it was just a mental, but, uh, now I ask like, how's it going? It's like, oh, you know, I'm doing good. You know, mm -hmm. just like life's good. And, and, and I'm kind of like changing things around my, just the way that I think about things. And, um, so the circumstance didn't change. No, circumstance didn't change. Just perspective mindset and mindset mm -hmm. and then completely uh cured himself mm -hmm. just because he was like you know i want to quit saying because i told him before i was like you know you think you're probably depressed because you always say oh life is it's not worth living mm -hmm. it's like do you think that has a effect on you and he's like yeah you know what probably he's like if, if you're always telling yourself that then yeah. yeah and then so as long as soon as you stop saying that and then you're you're just like, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be grateful for. And I still have my health and able body. It's like, geez, I, I should really stop complaining. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Just like me being able to do the pull-ups, I was completely done mentally. Mm -hmm. And then physically I wasn't. And then I completely switched mentally and I was able to do it. Yeah. It's just like the only thing that changed was mental. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's again, a cliche, but that self-talk is so important. You know, what, you, what you're telling yourself matters. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I haven't been immune to it either. And I, what helps me is when I get out, if I get out, run the mountain, do something, shoot my bow, get outside, do something. If people are just staying inside all the time and just thinking about how miserable they are, it's going to be really tough to, to change that. Yeah, that's the other thing is I don't think people get outside enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not giving advice on how to live your life, but like it, it can actually be hard, um, getting outside for, for an hour. Mm -hmm. If you're not just going out, going out on a walk, like if you work in an office, it can be hard to set aside time because you get to work at nine, get off at five and then you have kids and you want to see your wife and whatnot. And then it's like, oh, now it's nighttime. I'm not going to go out. I'm going to watch TV. And it's like, you never get outside. Yeah. I know that's a Huberman likes to say that too. get your face in the sun in the morning. sunlight. <laughs> yeah. We're going to put, we're going to put Huberman to the test this week. So we'll see if he's 
legit or if that's just see if the sunlight's been paying off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i'm a big huberman fan i can't wait for him to come but uh yeah, yeah he's got some great advice some of it seems so simple but you know you don't have to overthink this shit get outside get in the sun get some fresh air and man it changes everything yeah work out eat healthy drink water drink water and I then mean, um i mean ice bath like it's freaking hard actually <laughs> doing the ice bath like that's one thing like being cold it's like damn that hurts yeah it's just one of those i think it's it's helped a lot of people too because it's a little mental it's a it's a mental test and it's not physically hard other than just getting in cold water but it's not yeah. like you're running a marathon but no. if you can do it it's a it's a little win for the day and it helps um well i mean we don't want to go on too long, but I did want to hear about uh, what's your next goal after the world record in pull-ups? Now what? You just retired, fat and happy. Just fat know. and happy, yep. And I'm going to ride on the coattails of that for the rest of my life. That's good. No, I think um, we just went on a run today. We did like seven miles. And um, the idea, which I already told people about, is uh you're not gonna go back and delete it all now no <laughs> it's qualifying for boston again yeah and uh hopefully run it with you in uh 2025 mm -hmm. and then i'll i'll just uh use the time that i was doing for the pull-ups to get better at running mm -hmm. and hopefully still maintain some muscle because last time when i qualified for boston i was so skinny yeah I, really. I just wasn't eating enough yeah i was no you were you're like 160 yeah that's not that skinny yeah, that's true. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I want to be able to qualify for Boston again. Just being able to run feels good. It's a good excuse to get outside anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something to work towards. You always need something to work towards. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. It would be a nice little book into the world record pull-ups, run Boston. Well, yeah, because good goals. when I qualified for Boston in 2019, we were going to run it in 2020. Yeah. Already paid registration. And then there was a little cold that went around and it got canceled. Yeah did uh but that was pretty easy to qualify wasn't it, the first time yeah that was again it, it's different than the pull-ups but um just so hard just hard in its own way mm -hmm. um but yeah like i got to the half marathon on that one and i was just redlining like my heart rate was so fast <laughs> yeah. and i was so tired and then i held that pace for another 13 miles and felt absolutely m just miserable after. I was like, I couldn't believe that I did it. 257, 646 is average pace. And um, then I went to work, got off at 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool because I was like, yeah. 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 Not only did I go to work, do a full shift, but I um, qualified for Boston this yeah. morning. So I was like telling the customers when they would come in because I worked <laughs> at the meat department. Yeah. I was like, yeah, by the way, I ran a marathon this morning. They're like, wow, good job. Yeah. You're like, check out my meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good. Cause you got, you would have got fired. That'd be assault, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good goal. That'll be fun. I mean, yeah, shit. Running, running under sevens for 26 is, it's doing something. It's hard to do once. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone 26 times. But yeah, you, you have the ability. You can do it. You're, <laughs> Shit, I hadn't even run my first marathon when I was your age, so I think you got some time. Yeah. Actually, what changed for you? Why did you start running marathons? Um, God, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it felt good to be in shape, to have something to focus on. You know, at that time I didn't have, I had, you know, what people, not a great job. <laughs> I had a family, I had trying to, to support a family, trying to make good decisions, not go out drinking and be a loser. And so it just gave me, you know, as we talked about, like the, you know, the mental challenges of just, just navigating life can be hard, but getting outside and running was a positive. So just kind of switched. And then I was like, well, I want to, you know, every, every dad wants their sons to be beasts and to be better than them. So I'm like, well, if I do this and, you know, have my kids involved, it's, uh, you know, it feels good. Felt yeah. like I was doing what I was supposed to do as a, as a dad and a leader of a family, even though I was kind of a fuck up. Um, but so, yeah, just kind of built from there and just, you know, as just as you have, you know, goals that come in and, and change and you achieve them, the set new ones, I, the same thing for me. So it was a marathon, then a 50K, then a 50 miler, then a 100 miler and then a 200 miler. And it's just that's how it goes. You don't just jump out and run a 200 miler. It's a yeah. it's a pro process. So, um, yeah, it was just wanted to be better. And then that was because uh, you were 32, 32 and I ran my first one. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So yeah, you got time. You get <laughs> your, your endurance, you know, you're probably not stronger, faster generally, but your endurance, you're mentally tougher the older you get because, you know, life has kicked you in the balls a lot. Yeah. And so either you get tough or you quit. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing things and keep overcoming things, yeah, by the time you're in your thirties and even forties. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm in my fifties and I feel as capable and as I ever have. So you got lots yeah. of time. Yeah. And then I was also going to ask you, now I'm the podcaster and mm -hmm. you're on my show oh. with, uh, you were writing your first book, full-time job, bow hunting and all that. And then you had Tanner and I, what was, uh, what were you working towards or like what was keeping you motivated? at that time because that's that's pretty that's a lot going on and mm -hmm. then writing a book that's that's quite the task and you had the uh the laptop in the living room and then we were running around and doing whatnot but uh yeah i mean you had a lot going on just like what kept you i don't know just like focused um i god i don't even know i just wanted to uh i wanted to be something I wanted to be something. I wanted to be not just a, a guy in town that had a job and I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to stand out. I wanted to be somebody people talked about. And you're not sure why? No, I just, it's probably just, you know, as I said, growing up and then my dad wasn't around and I wasn't big. So I got, you know, whatever you don't talk about bullied or picked on or whatever, but it's just like, it felt like life was hard and it it's, didn't get a lot of positive anything. And so I thought, well, I want to, I want to be, I want to be some, somebody people like talked about and, and noticed and either liked or didn't like, didn't matter, but just wanted to make an impact. And so I thought, well, nobody's ever written a, a bow hunting book 
on black-tailed deer, which is what we have here, which is what you killed, you know, two days ago. So I'm like, well, I'll do it. I don't have any money. I don't know what makes me qualified to do it, but I'm going to do it. So that's what I did and did my first one then and uh, first book in 1999, second one in 2006. And then if it didn't work out, you were going to file for bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, we were not. I wasn't good. On, I'm, I've never been good on with money. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I always spend what I got and actually a little more that I got. <laughs> That's good. And I just hoping like, I always had in my head that, yeah, it's going to work out somehow. I'm going to, I'm going to write this book and I'm, I'm going to get a bunch of orders and I'm going to have a bunch of money coming in. It never really happened, but, uh, you know, it, it, it worked out. And, um, yeah, I mean, I thought we were going to have to f file bankruptcy and I was putting these, my, these bow hunting goals ahead of, what I should be making good decisions as a, as a, as a dad and a husband. But yeah, I was not super smart and kind of selfish and just my, my dreams took precedence over everything for a while. And then pretty soon you're like, either I got to quit doing this shit or I got to work harder and make it happen. So I was just like, I gotta, I gotta work harder and just make it happen. Yeah. And that's actually, I just watched a documentary on Eminem and, uh, when he got his wife or his girlfriend pregnant, mm -hmm. um, he was like, geez, I really need to buckle. He, he was like messing around in the music scene, like trying to just make mixtapes mix and whatnot and people buy them at like the gas station. Mm -hmm. And then um, he was like, man, I really need to buckle down. I need to support my family now. And uh, instead of just completely giving, like going and getting a real job as you would call it somewhere, he went like just full bore into... Um, the music and just like focusing on that dream and then believed in himself. And, uh, obviously now he is who he is, mm -hmm. but it's just like, instead of giving, like, it would have been really easy to give up on the dream. Like, yeah, by the way, that's not going to happen. So you need to go ahead and get a real job. And then, yeah. then we wouldn't have Eminem. <laughs> and that happens to a lot of people. They yeah. give up on their dreams, you know, because it, it doesn't look realistic. And you're like, man, what if you just would have stuck with it? So I didn't want to be that guy who gave up. So I just stuck with it. Well, and that's the other thing too, is I don't know how people accomplish anything if they don't have like a supportive spouse. Like if you're constantly being fought on what you're able to do, like my wife, she was super supportive and she was the one that didn't want me to quit when I wanted to quit back in uh, May. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have that, it, it really, it probably affects you because I mean, that's the person you spend the most time with. And yeah. if they're just constantly like, shitting on your goals and it's probably not going to happen. Right. If you yeah. have to fight them and also the adversity of just trying to accomplish your dreams, it's like, no way. Yeah. You need somebody who believes in you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, life's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say it's, it's one thing to say that you want to be someone and then uh, another thing to actually be someone, mm -hmm. you know, like everyone wants to be whatever. Everybody thinks they're special. Everyone thinks they're special and they want to be successful, mm -hmm. but then it's one thing to actually like buckle down and, and, and do it. Like make time. You had your, your uh, full-time job. You would still lift, run, shoot, bow hunt, write a book. It's like, that's a lot. So, I mean, it's probably just discipline, right? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I just kind of just feeling like a loser most of my life. Yeah. Just didn't like that feeling. Yeah. Well, to be able to change on a dime like that's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never felt like even when I, you know, my job at sub turned in, I, I was, you know, the buyer for a long time. Didn't really know if I was qualified for that. Then I was superintendent. Didn't really know if I was qualified for that either, but just kept like, you know, they, they call it, um, outrunning your coverage, like mm -hmm. on a punt. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I just kept like outrunning my coverage and just like, well, I probably don't deserve to be here, but I am, and I'm going to make the most of it. So it's just, you know, probably being a little delusional, like people, like we say, people, everybody thinks they're special. Yeah. And so maybe I thought I was more, uh, more, ta more, I don't know what than I actually was, but eventually you just, earn some opportunities because you just can't be ignored. What was that race? Didn't you drop out of a race before when you were like 25? You were like supposed to run a 10K and then you just... Oh, the Butte to Butte. It was the Butte to Butte? Yeah, I quit. And then you quit and then you... Uh, yeah, like it five miles. <laughs> you have a mile left? A mile Could, left. Couldn't walk it. No, I could have, but I just stepped off the course and took my number off and I was just... I was had been drinking. I was fat for me. <laughs> and just like, yeah. you know, I was used to knowing what good times were. Yeah. And you know, you get to five miles, you see the time and you're just like, holy shit, do I actually want this time in the, to be counted? And I just felt, yeah, I just felt pathetic. How old? I don't know, but probably around, probably around 25. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously people know you now you would never do such a thing. No. You would never quit like that on pretty much any race. No. So like, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you go from that to just being like, it's kind of like a, a Goggins uh, switch, mental switch of like how he was, what, 300 pounds mm -hmm. and couldn't, he was just what he, his own words that like he was pathetic, mm -hmm. couldn't work out, could hardly even run. And then to be able to switch into what he is now and what you're now, it's like, I, I don't even know how that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't either, but I just know people just get tired of feeling pathetic. You know, if he, if he said that, then yeah, it's just, it's a miserable feeling, especially for a man, you know, you're supposed to be a leader. You're supposed to be strong. You're yeah. And when you don't feel that way, either you cave into that feeling and, you know, go further down or you're just like, holy shit, I got to. I got to buckle down. I got to do something. And so, yeah, it was just like you get, you get as a, there's a saying, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yeah. then you just change. So that was it. I just changed. Luckily, I mean, Tanner came along and then I felt obligation to, to be a dad, a good dad, not just a dad who was a fuck up, but actually a good dad. Cause you guys, I didn't know, you know, you weren't around yet, but I knew Tanner was going to be watching me and yep. how I carried myself was going to impact how he carried himself and his development. So it's just like, shit, this is bigger than me. Yeah, no, I know. And, and that's true. I mean, people are watching you mm -hmm. and like my wife, when I'd be training for the pull-ups, I'm like, I would tell myself like, she's watching me right now. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it matters if I actually show up and if I'm actually able to do this, like it actually matters because people, it's like, they don't want to be 
you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. People and, will believe in you. Yeah. And, yeah. and you want to give them something to be proud of. Like that's one thing that we were talking about earlier. I want my kids to be proud of what I accomplished. Not that I was a quitter. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it got harder than I quit. It's like, that's not a good lesson. No. And, you know, you said it, it feels good when people believe in you, but people don't believe in you forever. No. You start letting people down a few times. They're like, this guy's not going to do shit. <laughs> then nobody's believing in you. Yeah. You know, and that's not a good place to be because you've just let people down for so long. They're just like, um, here he goes again. Yeah. Just a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that's a good feeling. No. So it's just like, it, it, you know, you have to, when people believe in you, that means something. You got to cherish that. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to prove you right. Yeah. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to prove you right. I'm not going to waste this, um, you know, you caring and, and your love and support. I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to make it pay off. No. And you need people like that. I mean, I was filling out this questionnaire for Guinness after the fact. And, um, it was just like, how did you feel after accomplishing this? And then I was like, I, I've just, Obviously, like I said, I've never been more proud of myself, but then also like seeing how proud like you and Tanner, uh, Taryn and, and mom were like that. What I said was, I hope everyone gets to experience that feeling because mm-hmm. like making those closest to you feel proud in you uh, of you. It's like, whew, yeah, that's a pretty life changing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hope everyone gets to feel that. It's like uh, Israel. Uh, Sonia. Yeah. Yeah. Style bender. Yeah. When he knocked out uh, Alex Pereira and he said that he hopes everyone can experience like how happy he feels right now. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, I kind of get that now. Yeah. No, it's, it's special. I mean, and yeah, your whole family was proud of you because, um, and I think, you know, Tanner would attest to this. Everybody here would, but you've always been pretty obsessed with training. I mean, I don't know how old you were when you had the little ab roller and you'd be hours on the TV, yeah. like rolling out your abs or not rolling out your abs, but on that ab roller and just extending out the side, 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 side. How many hours did you do that a night? Um, probably about like an hour. Then I'd go to the gym as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it feels good with, you know, that's always been like one of your core tenets of you is like you want to be what it's, it's always that physical conditioning or attributes or um, performance. And, you know, so it felt good for you to achieve that goal. And, yeah, we, we were all very proud of you. And it, it would be nice. It would be uh, extremely powerful if everybody could feel that way. But that has to be earned. I know you earned it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's what makes it that much sweeter. It's just how hard it was. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't want to mask the pain because it's like just knowing how hard that feeling was and overcoming it. It's like, mm-hmm. oof, that's the best feeling in the world when it's said and done. Cause now it's two weeks later and my body's a hundred percent feel totally yeah. fine. And it's like, geez, it's just temporary. Yeah, definitely. It's just it feels, temporary. It feels overwhelming at the time. Yeah, but that feeling of being proud, it's like that sticks with you for a long time. Yeah. You didn't let yourself down, and and that's huge. Yeah, definitely. No. Well, it's been a been a great couple of weeks. 
got your world record. You got a buck killed. Pretty sweet. What else you got? You ran the mountain today. Ran the mountain. Didn't walk. Didn't walk. Um, able to just lift like normal now. Pulled my bow back. Pulled your bow back. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the number one thing. Which actually people love to see other people struggle. So they, they... They love to see people fail. They love to see people fail for sure. Well, struggle really bad and then fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just makes people feel better about themselves, I think. But yeah, no, it's all right. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of positives in the yeah. last couple of weeks, so I can't complain. No, there, it'd be silly to complain. We've been blessed with a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the, for the sons and daughter I have and my family and you guys all make me proud. Um, right now is your time in the sun. You got, you know, you got achieved your goal and, um, Tanner and Tanner are going to have their time in the sun too. And that's how it, that's what we like. Yep. Yep. And I'm proud, I, proud and of I, you guys. Yeah. And I hope they do. And, and I know that they will. So. Yeah, when one of us wins, all of us win, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yep. Um, but yeah, all right, well, we got a film coming out at some point about your with your deer hunt. Maybe yep. we'll show your meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, about the deer hunt coming out, yeah, and then um, also for the, the pull-ups, Luke Dusenberry's making that for me, so that'll be sweet. Yeah, that should be good. Maybe you can pull some of this audio. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good work. You have anything else you want to close with? Um, I love my wife. Um, I love Jesus and Ducks football. Are the Ducks gonna go to the play to the BCS or not BCS, BCS national championship? That's been gone for a while now. The BCS, um, I know. But no, yeah, they're they're probably gonna make it. I would have to say. I mean, we always end up losing a a stupid game to like an unranked opponent. But no, I'm feeling good this year. I think yeah. uh, we're better than Washington. If we play them again in a neutral site, yeah, then we got it. I know we're playing really good right now. It's pretty fun. Yeah, we love the Ducks. Yeah, no, <laughs> we always have. But no, I mean, I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll get you to the airport. You can get home to your wife. Sweet. All right. Love you. Love you too. Keep hammering. Mountain Ops has been my go-to supplements for the past seven years. My exclusive Keep Hammering line of products offers a blended protein powder, BCAs, and a pre-workout that I take every day. I also use their greens, reds, and they actually have a new hydration product called Hydrate that I use before every run. Mountain Ops has been a great partner over the years, and I especially love all they do to give back to the community. Every purchase made on the Mountain Ops website gives back to a family in need. They also give away a ton of different hunting opportunities. They even gave away an elk hunt and a deer hunt at one of my most cherished hunting spots in Utah. If you listen to the podcast, you also get 20% off by using code CAM, that's C-A-M, at www.mountainops.com. One of my favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Gothic Serpent. The exclusive coffee subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roasts from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran owned and operated. 
They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today.